0: Lord God, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. As we come and learn from your word, let us, I pray, be both convicted, encouraged, uplifted, all according to the Spirit's leading, through Christ Jesus our Lord, whom we praise and give thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor John Harper, was on the maiden voyage of the Titanic, the unsinkable ship. But as you know, the ship did hit a, uh, an iceberg, and it started to sink. And during the time that it was sinking, Pastor Harper spent his time calling out, he said, women, children, and the unsaved to go into the lifeboats. As he handed one man, one, uh, an unsaved man, a life jacket, the man was upset And Harper said, you need this much more than I do. And so he spent the last time on the ship as it was sinking, going to all of the people and pleading with them to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. And once the ship actually got into the water, he spent his time in that frigid, cold water, swimming from person to person, from group to group, pleading with them, to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. This is how he spent his last few hours. One man recounted four years later at a meeting that Harper had come to him, and he had said, receive the Lord Jesus, believe and receive, and you will be saved. And the man rejected him. And so Harper swam away, and then when he came back, he pleaded with him one more time, and shortly after that, succumbed to hypothermia and died. The man recounted that he was Harper's last convert. My brothers and sisters in Christ, our world, it seems, has hit an iceberg, and we are tilting uh, quite rapidly. I'm not saying that we are sinking by any means or that there is not hope by any means. I am not saying that at all. But once what you and I thought was secure, in a very, very short time, everything seems to have been upturned. What was stable is not unstable. And the nation, and certainly the world, seems to be tilting badly. People have died. People are in the process of dying. The economic implications are going to reverberate for a long, long time. So there are many things that are shaken in this world. And during times like this, we want to just focus on what has been termed essential. We want to focus just on the temporal, the here and now. It is during times like this, we are going to be tugged to focus on only the temporal, because it's going to be the temporal only, the earthly things that are going to be deemed essential. But the gospel is essential no matter what the circumstances in your life. The gospel is essential no matter the circumstances. So as we continue to share the gospel, there are a lot of people who are going to look at us and scoff because they say, we don't need that right now. But now is the very time that people need to hear the gospel. They need to hear the eternal truth of Christ Jesus. You and I need to burn as brightly as Pastor John Harper did. We need to proclaim and stand fast in the gospel. So this morning, we are going to continue with the gospel and we are going to finish up our, go- our series on follow me, what it means to be a disciple, a follower of Jesus. And you know what? This message today is probably going to seem odd for some people. But if you understand what Jesus is saying, it is essential. It is timeless. It is eternal. Because what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? We're going to get to one of the hardest lessons in this. It is to deny yourself take up the cross, take up your cross and follow him. So let us hear the words of Christ Jesus. Let us hear the words of scripture and be encouraged and convicted according to the leading of the spirit. We are going to start with our gospel reading. Now I've only put some of the words on the screen, so it's a little bit bigger, easier to read, but I'm going to read gospel of Mark. Chapter 8, verses 31 through 33. And he began to teach them, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, raised again. And he said this plainly. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. Now, the context of these verses is important. You see, Jesus has just asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the son of the living God. In the gospel of Matthew, Jesus says this, Peter, you... you, paraphrasing he says you got it right but he specifically says blessed are you simon barjona because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you but my father who is in heaven he says blessed are you simon you understand who i am now peter must have been riding pretty high in the saddle at this time but then jesus goes on It's almost as if he's saying, you understand who I am, but do you understand why I came. And so he says this from our gospel reading, and he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Now, our Lord Jesus often said things that were hard for Peter and the disciples and quite frankly, sometimes hard for us to understand. But here it says, he said it very plainly. And this is a decisive moment in the gospel of Mark and the other gospels. This is a decisive moment. And Peter doesn't understand it. Remember, he's been riding very high. You are the the Christ, the Son of God. You're the Savior. You're the one who's going to ride in on the stallion and save the nation of Israel. But to be killed, to suffer, and then to be raised up? No. And so Peter rebukes Jesus. See, what Peter didn't realize, what Peter didn't realize is that he was actually rejecting God's plan of salvation he didn't understand the depth of what he was rejecting he in essence was rejecting the very nature the very essence of the gospel you see that jesus must die that he must suffer and that he will be raised on the third day this is core to the gospel message now we've covered this before as a matter of fact, in the last series, what does it mean to be a Christian? The very first one of that series, we covered how important those aspects are of the gospel. And if you deny those aspects of the, of the gospel, you deny the gospel itself. You deny God's plan of salvation. So what, what Peter rejects is essential. And this is why Jesus gives such a strong, Strong rebuke to Peter, for he says this, get behind me, Satan. Right? Peter's been riding really high, and now Jesus says, get behind me, Satan. Almost everybody in the world knows that particular phrase, but very few people know what follows it. He says, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. You need to let that ring in your head, in your heart, in your very soul. Those words, for you are not setting your mind on God's interests, on the things of God, but on the things of man. You see, you and I, we are almost always swayed by the things of this earth at the expense of the gospel. In good times, we are swayed by things of the earth at the expense of the gospel. In bad times, we are often swayed by the things of the earth, what we deem essential for the and at the expense of the gospel. But Jesus is telling Peter and his disciples and thus you and me that the gospel, God's plan of salvation is of the greatest significance It is not of secondary. It is not of tertiary significance. It is of the greatest significance. And if you understand that the gospel is of the greatest significance in our lives above everything else, then the rest of the lesson will make much, much more sense and will have a much deeper impact for you. So let's go on with the rest of the lesson here. Verse 34, And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, notice the universal invitation. The nature of Jesus' invitation is universal in scope. He says, if anyone, and then later on the reading, it says, whoever, or some translations might say, whosoever. This is a very, very broad invitation. Whosoever. Look, after Jesus rebuked, Peter and the disciples, he could have said, okay, disciples, come on, huddle up here. I have something to tell you. You missed the boat on this particular topic. So I want to tell you just specifically, but Jesus didn't do that. He actually calls the crowd to him and the disciples. And he says, if anyone, this is universal in nature. He says, Look, you who are curious, curious you who are hanger, on, hanger honors, you who are doubtful, you who are skeptical, you who are hard of heart, everyone, you come, and if anyone wants to come after me, it's the whosoever. And isn't this a sweet invitation? Whosoever. Because the gospel invitation is for all, whosoever. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. You see this, the invitation to follow Jesus, to be his disciple, to believe in him as Lord and Savior is open to everyone. So look, look, If you have never received Jesus as Lord and Savior, and you heard these words today, today, today is the day to repent and believe, to receive him as Lord and Savior. Look, your world might be tilted right now, but today is the day to receive the eternal promises of Christ Jesus. Whosoever means you. This is what Pastor Harper did. This is what we do. This is what the church does. This is what Christ proclaims, whosoever. Now, why would anyone refuse such a call? The call comes at a cost. So let's go on with our study. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. See, this is a gospel call unlike most gospel calls you will hear. In today's world, most gospel calls are like, come to Jesus and your life will be improved. Just receive Jesus as Lord and Savior and things will go well with you. But Jesus doesn't give any invitation like that. As a matter of fact, when you read the gospel invitations that Jesus gives, they are much more difficult. Here he says, if anyone would come after me, Let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. So let's talk about deny yourself. Now, this is a time of Lent, right? And during a time of Lent, a lot of people give up things for Lent. And they give up certain foods or alcohol or TV or certain habits. And by the way, those might be really good things to do. As a matter of fact, some of you might and probably should give up alcohol. Some of you probably should stop eating certain things. Some of you should start exercising in the positive. I mean, the list goes on and on because these are not only a physical, but they are of spiritual benefit. Paul in Romans chapter 8, verse 13, he says, For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if you live by the spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So here's the problem with this. A lot of people go, well, that's scripture, right? And if I want to live by the spirit, I should put to death the deeds of the body. So a lot of people take this and they go overboard with it, not understanding what that actually means. And so you have people do what's called mortification of the flesh, killing the flesh. In medieval times, the monks excelled at this. You had monks who slept on just the bare floor of their room and was very cold. They would fast for days on end. They would uh, wear sackcloth or hair shirts, really coarse clothing. Some of the hair shirts were so bad that it rubbed their backs raw. Some of them would even flagellate with themselves to try to kill the desires of the flesh. Martin Luther was one of these monks, and he said he excelled at all of these things, but he also realized that it had the wrong motive. Yeah, you could mortify the flesh, but it didn't touch the heart. And that's the heart of the matter in all of this. You see, the heart of man in his fallen state always wants to somehow take credit, to say, look, how well I have done in the eyes of God. It is a self-glorification in many regards. Because really, what does the Bible say comes from the heart? From our heart comes all evil desires. Look, you can tame the outside all you want, but unless your heart is transformed, nothing is truly denied. Let me talk. say that again. You can tame the outside all you want, but unless your heart is transformed, nothing is truly denied. Look, it's the sinful self that focuses not on the kingdom of God, but on the interest of man, right? Not on the eternal, but on the temporal. It is the sinful self that focuses not on the exaltation of Christ but on receiving the praise of the world. It is a sinful self that says, I have no sin. So what does it mean to deny yourself? To deny yourself is to reject, we would say repent, of your own fallen, sinful, prideful self. That's what it means to deny yourself. To deny yourself is to reject or repent your own fallen, sinful, prideful self and look this is our natural state apart from Christ Jesus to deny yourself to say that apart from Christ Jesus everything in my life that I've accomplished all the things that I say are good are but rubbish now this is a hard lesson because we want to call everything in our lives good, but apart from Christ, everything, everything in our lives is but rubbish. Listen to what Paul says. Now, by, by the way, Paul, wow, what an accomplished man. He was, in his young man, he probably, it's been said, he would have had the equivalent of several PhDs. He spoke several languages. He had status. He had everything going for him. Listen to what he says. This is from Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8. But whatever gain I had, I counted it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. Here's how one commentator put it. Self-denial for the Christian means renouncing oneself as the center of existence and recognizing Jesus Christ as one's new and true center. Now, you know what? This is really hard to do, especially if you have wealth, if you have things in your life. It's also pretty hard to do if you're just okay, say, just middle class. Even if you don't have much, you still have your self pride, right? But you want to know who really understands this? It is the people who have hit rock bottom. It is the people who are broken, who have nothing left, who look in a mirror that's been shattered and they can't even see themselves anymore, so they must put that down. And then they see Christ Jesus because he is all that is left to deny yourself is to put Christ Jesus at the center of everything. It's then you see the face of God. So he said, deny yourself. If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now I need to speak pretty gently here because I believe that this phrase has been misunderstood and misapplied in many ways. We often hear, that's my cross to bear, and, and we hear that. And it often refers to uh, a hardship in life. It could be economic. Uh, it could be a family situation. It could be also uh, one's health. One's health in poor health could be, as uh, often said as, a cross to bear. But when I speak and read and look at this in the proper context. I don't think that's what Jesus was talking about. Because in the proper context, to take up a cross means something else. You see, to the people who lived during Jesus' time, to take up a cross meant one thing and one thing only, and that's death and a gruesome, torturous death. Depending on where you lived on the road that you could walk down, you would see crucifixion after crucifixion, after crucifixion, you would see body after body after body, people in agony, moaning, crying out. You would see bodies that are dead, that are in the state of decomposing. You would see one after another. So to say, take up your cross and follow me was like a punch to the gut for people and for Jesus to say that he was going to suffer and die. They didn't see this as something symbolic, just as a symbolism of the cross. This had a real significance in their lives. You see, now 2,000 years later, and knowing what we know about Jesus in Scripture, we understand that when he went to the cross, It was of great love. It was love and mercy and grace that was shown that he went to the cross and died for our sins. And he did so out of full submission to the Father. You see, the relationship of the Son to the Father was of complete surrender to the Father's will. Jesus surrendered his will completely to the father. God's plan of salvation made manifest in Christ. Jesus fulfilled at the cross, his death, and then his resurrection. It was a complete submission. And Jesus is saying, that's the relationship you should have with me. One of complete surrender. So to take up your cross and follow me. Means you're willing to die to self. Not just deny, but die to self. And when you die to self, it is a complete and absolute surrender. Listen again to the words of Paul from Galatians chapter 2. I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me, and the life I live now in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. That's why we've had the song, I Surrender All, here. Listen again to some of these words from the verses. All to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. I will ever love and trust him in his presence daily live. All to Jesus I surrender. At his feet I humbly bow. Worldly pleasures all forsaken. Take me, Jesus, take me now. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Jesus, all to thee, my blessed Savior. I surrender all. Jesus said, take up your cross. Surrender all and follow me. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. Now, it's interesting. In the previous commands, deny and take up, the language indicates once. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. A completed act. But here, the language says it's ongoing. You see, to be a disciple of Christ is to be continually following after Jesus. It's a way of life. To follow Jesus continually is to be your pattern for life. So when you pray, not just pray in general to follow Jesus, but give it some very specific prayers. Pray things like this Lord Jesus, increase my desire to abide in your word. Lord Jesus, guide me in keeping your commandments and living a life that honors you. Jesus, I don't pray well. I really want your heart for prayer. Lord, give me a heart for prayer. Jesus, you know, I don't know if I've been the neighbor that you want me to be to others. Give me opportunities, open doors. Let my eyes see those opportunities where I can love my neighbor, especially in times like this. Lord Jesus, I I am timid about the gospel and sharing the gospel with others. I pray, even though I'm timid, I still pray for you to open up doors for me and give me the boldness and courage Give me your courage so that I can share your good news with them. Lord Jesus, these are the things I want to do in following you. Pray things like that and the Lord, I know, will answer your prayers. And you should also know that follow him Will come at a cost. Pastor John Harper on the ship, I'm sure many, many people scoffed at him during that time and thought, this is not the time for the gospel. We need to focus on saving lives. He was focused on saving lives, he was focused on saving souls. He stood for the gospel no matter the circumstance because he knows the promise of Christ Jesus is eternal. Jesus gives the gospel invitation. He says, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. Now, this must have stunned his disciples, by the way. And mostly it's a hard lesson for us. So I'm going to guess it stuns us as well. But he goes on to this and he says, very simply. He says, for whoever, there's that whosoever, for whoever would save his life will lose it but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. I want to pause right there for a moment. Doesn't that have the, the echo of Jesus standing at the graveside of Lazarus? I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. That's a gospel proclamation right there. Whosoever. And he says this, for what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit a soul? And then going on, verse 37 and 38, for what can a man give in return for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation of him, will the son of man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his father with the holy angels? Here, Jesus makes it clear, very clear. It is a black or white issue. You can go the way of the world, or you can follow him. On one side will be the temporal. And all the riches, all the pleasures, all the things this world might be yours. But can you sell any of that for your soul? And Jesus says, no. On the one side, on the other side, is eternal life with Christ Jesus the eternal promise with him, surrounded by his glory. And to do that, you must follow him, repent and believe. And when you do that, you have the full assurance of his promises. You see, this message today, I thought about it Do we continue on in our series or do we veer somewhere else? And I thought, no, the gospel needs to proclaim ever, ever more. If you are a believer, it's time to be the church. Now, not tomorrow, now. And if you are not a believer, it's time to repent, to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior and follow him the rest of your life. So the question for you today is you can have the way of the world and your own personal glory, or you can have Christ Jesus and his cross. It's one or the other. Which shall it be? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your great love for us. What a glorious love you have given us. I, I pray, Jesus, that we all surrender to you completely, fully, following you to the very last breath of our lives. And we just thank you and praise you for everything you have given us and the great care you have for all. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We hope that you've been blessed by this message. If you have any questions or you would like to grow deeper in your faith, please visit our website at joyccc.com. Again, that's joyccc.com.